God, we thank you, Lord, that you are a heavenly father. And even with this focus on Father's Day, we glorify you. We thank you and we honor you. You are our heavenly father. So perfect in your care, your provision, and how you work in our life, Lord. How you guide us and communicate, Lord. How you're there for us. And I just want to say thank you, Heavenly Father, for being my Father God, Lord, and being in my life. And we honor you, Lord, with these words. And God, I pray you bless your word. Bless the fathers, the dads that are listening in now, that are here today, God. And I pray that you would bless them, change them. Encourage them, Lord, and lift them up, Lord. Strengthen us all, me included, God, to be the kind of father you want us to be. So we ask for anointing upon your word, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I read about this woman who noticed a man in a grocery store pushing the shopping cart, which contained, among many other items he was buying, he also had his screaming baby. Well, he came down the aisle, went past her, and he could be heard calmly and softly saying things like, Easy now, George. Just keep calm, George. Don't get excited, George. It's going to be all right, George. Well, the woman who saw this was just taken back in admiration, and she went up to this man to say, what a devoted father you are. Oh, I'm just so touched. I mean, I mean, you should be commended for all your patience and your gentleness trying to quiet down little baby George. Lady, the man declared, I'm George. <laughs> well, today on this Father's Day, we honor all you dads who took care of us, right? <laughs> Sacrificed for us, endured so much, yeah, as we were growing up. Did you know that the idea to have a Father's Day was sparked on Mother's Day? The story goes, in 1909, Sonora Dawn was in church in Spokane, Washington, listening to a Mother's Day message. Well, her own mother had passed uh, years before, and she was really lovingly raised by her devoted father. And so hearing this, After the service, she talked to the minister about having a Father's Day, since there was a Mother's Day, who then, the minister, held a special service dedicated to all fathers in the next month of June, which was the month her father was born. And that's why today we celebrate, on the third Sunday of June, uh, we celebrate Father's Day. That I didn't know that. That's how it all, all began. It actually began on, on, on Mother's Day. Well, that's where we are today. You know what? My wife actually uh, asked me, said, Hey, you did a Mother's Day message. Are you going to do like one for fathers? And I thought, Oh, yeah, we should, you know, we should. So that's why we're taking a break here from the Ten Commandments. And we have a special message about, and our title today is The Devoted Father. The Devoted Father. We're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 10 through 12. 10 through 12. And here in this, these few verses we're looking at, we're going to see four things about the devoted father. We're going to see his conduct his coaching, his compassion, and number four, his commitment. So four things here. Now, 
I know we're having a Father's Day message, and no matter where you're at, I mean, don't check out here because, oh, this is just about that, you know. But there's still, remember, truths and principles from the Word of God that we can still apply to us as moms or aunties, uncles, as tutus, grandparents. Either way, uh, uh, there's some basic things in, in our life with Christ that we can all apply. So as we go, don't check out here, but let's hear from the Lord. Let's hear what the Spirit is saying to us. All right. So number one, the devoted father, the first thing we're going to see, number one, is his conduct. His conduct here in First Thessalonians 2. Take a look with me here now, verse 10, and we're going to attach verse 11 to this too. It says here, you um, are witnesses And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children. And we'll pause right there. Now, understand, as we come into the passage here this morning, we're kind of coming in the middle of what Paul has been talking about. And so the Apostle Paul is actually, when he's writing this, he's in chapter 2, he's actually defending himself. See, the false teachers that have come in after he left, they're like talking stink about the Apostle Paul. And so he's being accused of taking advantage of the Thessalonians, like abusing them, the, the, the believers there in the Thessalonian church. And, and to me, that's kind of funny because that's what, exactly what the false teachers were doing. And so many times, your accusers, they accuse you or see things because they themselves are doing the same thing and they're trying to, you know, divert that attention. But these guys are saying this about the Apostle Paul. So Paul is defending himself here. Paul is saying, look, you know, our missionary team, and he's talking, when you see the word we in our passage, he's talking about him. Uh, Paul and Silas, remember, they went out on the second missionary journey in the book of Acts. And, and, and the, he's saying, look, us, are, are we, you know what, this missionary team, we truly love you guys. We truly care for you. I mean, it's like parents do with children. And he actually mentions, like, if you look up in verse, let's see, uh, 7. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And then later in verse 11, we read that, for you know how like a father with his children. So Paul's like, no, no, we're, we're not taking advantage. We're, we're like your parents. We're taking care of you like parents take care of their children. Matter of fact, Paul and Silas, on that missionary journey, they planted the church here in Thessalonica. So they, were, they are literally like the spiritual parents of this church. So he's saying, look, we're here. And as we focus in here on our, in our section in verse 11, he says, we're here like a father. Paul's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm like your spiritual father. I am your spiritual father. I'm like an a earthly father to you, but in a spiritual way. So in verse 10, as the spiritual father of the church Paul is saying, look, you've seen our conduct at the end of verse 10. Now, when he says in verse 10, you are witnesses, he means you've seen firsthand what we're like. You've experienced how we carry ourselves, what we're really about. And that, that's what he's putting forth. You saw firsthand, and, and we live before God. God saw this also. And what did they see? They're holy and righteous 
and blameless conduct. And so Paul said, you've experienced this. I mean, it was a one-time thing. It was a continual thing. You saw how holy, how godly we carried ourselves. You've seen our, our righteousness, how upright we were before the Lord, how we lived before Jesus, before God. You saw how blameless. Now, when he uses the word blameless, or you'll see it in the writings of some of the epistles by Paul, it doesn't mean he was perfect, but he was, he was generally without charge. In other words, he lived a life in a way that it would be hard for people to charge him with something, to accuse him with something. So, and he wasn't perfect, for sure. I mean, no one is. But he said, you saw us. You saw how we, we lived in integrity and sincerity before you guys. And, and I wasn't perfect in all of this. He's, he's not saying he was perfect. But Paul, you can say he was consistent in his conduct in how he carried himself, and the church saw how he did that. You know, I was thinking about this, how, you know, we're not perfect. No uh, hero in the Bible is, um, but we still see their heart. We still see their life for God. And, you know, one of my heroes in the Old Testament is David. Why is that? Because he was a man after God's own heart. And, and that's the kind of heart I want to be. Yeah? So he inspires me. He's a hero of mine that no matter what, uh, his heart was for God. And now David wasn't perfect, we know, right? He sinned, he failed Bathsheba, had a husband murder. We know that he failed God many times, the census and all that. Uh, he was, you know, actually not the greatest father either if we read the story about Absalom his son and everything and so I could relate to that too I'm, I failed as a father I've done things I'm, I haven't been perfect and all that um, I mean I've, I, I've done some things I mean I, I'm not super bad but as a father but I, I, st- I, I still look at David like you know I can learn from him and and I learned the good from David. And I like his obedience to God. I love reading his writing in the Psalms and his heart toward God, his love for God, his heart, and how consistent he was in that. So here's Paul. Paul saying, look, like, I'm your spiritual father. You guys know me. You know what I'm really about. You know that though I'm not perfect, I've been consistent in my walk with God. You know how devoted to the Lord I've been. So, if you're here this morning, understand, as a father, don't beat yourself up that maybe you haven't been perfect. But you know what? Be the father that's devoted to God. Be consistent in your godly conduct and show what you're really about. That's really what Paul is presenting here. And we can apply that to us today, dads. Be consistent in your godly conduct and show what you are really about it's been said so goes the man so goes the marriage so goes the man so goes the family and it's true right Uh, the lord has called us dads as spiritual leaders right of our household under the lord trying to follow god the holy spirit in our life doing our best to do that and we need to follow we need to be consistent in that godly conduct to show hey this is what i'm about I'm about Jesus. I'm about the Lord. And it's important because what we do, so goes the family. So goes our marriage. We're the spiritual leaders here. And little eyes are watching us, aren't they? Little eyes. They're seeing how consistently you live for God. 
They're watching and they're learning. They're soaking in what you're really about. I mean, uh, um, are, are you praying? Do you go to church? Are you seeking God? Or what do you really seek after? Oh, your hobby? Yeah. Your sport or something? Maybe it's work, your career. And they're soaking that in too. Or what is God, you know, what is most important? Is God the most important? Is that what you're really about? Or is it about indulging in sin or living for yourself? They're watching. Your family is watching. You're leading. So Paul's saying, look, you've seen us like a spiritual father, like we do with our children. You've seen us, that we've been doing everything we can in our godly conduct to show you what we're really about, what we're really about. And that's what we got to do as fathers. we got to be consistent in our godly conduct, showing who we are, what we're really about. A minister noticed a little boy watching him build a trellis, and the minister turned to the boy and said, oh, you want to pick up some tips on how to work with wood and, and all of that? And the boy said, no, I'm just waiting to see what the pastor says when he hits his thumb with the hammer. <laughs> you know, little eyes are watching. Your family's watching. And God, in his design of a family, has set you dads as a spiritual leader. And so naturally, your wife, naturally, your family, they're, they're going to go along with what you do. So we have to be consistent, not just on Sunday or, 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 or when we go to church or holi- uh, religious holidays. We've got to be consistent every day in our godly conduct. We've got to be real. We've got to be sincere. We've got to show what we're really about. And we're about God. We're about Jesus Christ. So the devoted father, what's important is his conduct. Well, number two is his coaching. His coaching. Now, here we go on to verse 12, but let's back up verse 11. He says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you. So when Paul and Silas were there, this missionary team, they exhorted the church there. Like a father, like the spiritual leader, like the leader of the family, they, they exhorted the church. Now, the word exhorted here is para. Kaletos in the Greek, the original language. Now, it's like two Greek words put together, para and kaletos. Para means to come alongside, to come alongside to like help in that sense. Kaletos means to earnestly direct and instruct. And when I say earnestly, the lexicons, the Greek dictionaries talk about with a strong force. So that's why our English translation here says exhorted, right? We exhorted you, that each one of you, we exhorted. So that's that idea of, of, of exhortation, of saying, hey, firmly saying something. But in the Greek, it has more of this feeling of we come alongside to direct and instruct you. So I looked at it this way. Oh, you know what? This is really talking about a coach, yeah? like a coach of a team, and he calls out to the players to, 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 that they would make that effort, that they would do their best, that they would, they would, they would you know, in, in an earnestly and sometimes forcefully way, hey, go, do, get them, you know, yeah, and all that. You know, it comes to mind um, uh, when I was teaching each one of our kids how to ride a bike, 
And uh, I remember that when you take the training wheels off and, and they're at that age, that, that place where they, they can now begin to learn how to ride a bike on their own. And, and I, I remember holding the handlebar and their seat and you're running alongside of them, you know, and like start pedaling, go, go, go. And you do that for a little bit and you're right there. You're, you're right alongside with them. And you're, go, go, you can do it. I don't know. Yeah, start pedaling. You can do it. You can do it, right? And then there's that moment where it's just one hand. Yeah, okay, dude, you know, keep the handlebars going. And you, you have your hand on the seat. And then, then there's that moment when you let go. Go, you can do it. Yeah, go, 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 go. And they fall. But then you, you, you go, pick them up. Hey, you're okay, you're okay. Let's get back on. Let's start again, right? And, and you, keep, you, you keep working with them, right? You don't give up, say, oh, you fell down, forget it. No, because you know their potential. You know they're growing up. You know in their maturity that this is what we all do and we can do. We can ride a bike. And so you know their potential. So here's Paul. Paul's been guiding the Thessalonians like a dad, like a coach. So as devoted fathers, we need to do the same thing. We need to be the godly father coaching his children, training them to live up to their potential in the Lord. That's the idea here. That's what Paul is saying. We exhorted you guys. What? To ride a bike? No. To live for God, to follow the Lord, to live for Jesus Christ. So that's in the same sense as Paul was with, uh, doing with the Thessalonians. We need to be the godly father coaching his children training them to live up to their potential in the Lord. You know, I, I've always prayed for our kids, and I, especially when they're small, that I knew God has a plan for their life, that God has something for them. Even as they were graduating high school, going into college, I was praying hard for them to, to oh, what? Because, you know, at that age when you graduate high school, it's like, well, what am I going to major in? I don't know. It's a huge decision. It can be stressful, you know, so I was praying for them, and God would show me a word, and I would point them in that direction, and, 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 and then, you know, they, they went off and, in that way, and, and they're finding their place in, in this world. And so we know God has a plan in their life. We know we want them to serve the Lord. We know we want them to, to, to be with Jesus, all of those things. But we need, as fathers, to coach them, to train them up. Yeah, to live to that potential God has planned for them. That's what dads do. You know, I found um, someone wrote what my father taught me when I was growing up. And they wrote this down. They, my father taught me handle, how to handle anticipation when he said, you just wait till I get home. My father taught me about nutrition. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. My father taught me about bad habits. Stop crossing your eyes or they'll freeze that way. My father taught me about wisdom. When you get to my age, then you'll understand. My father taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. (laughs) My father taught me about the weather. Your room looks like a tornado went through it. My father taught me about communication. If I told you once, I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. My father told me about logic. Because why? Because I said so. (laughs) Well, dads, we need to help our kids, coach our kids, train them, instruct, show them to live up to their 
potential. And, and, and really, you know, the point is, it's not to tear down our kids, but to build them up. You know, I was hearing that most parents are more negative than positive toward their children. And I asked myself, is it true for me? Is it true for me? And I need to be more, more uh, positive, more uh, behind them, believing in them, in their potential and what God is doing. You know, let our exhortation, let it be like, I believe in you like a coach and not be, be a berating type of coach. Not a lecture, but exhort them to live up to the potential. Not tear down, but build up. And isn't that exactly what Paul wrote? The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 6 verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Or another translation talks about exasperating them, or Colossians 3 also. And bring them up, it says in Ephesians 6 4, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the devoted father, it's important that he has godly coaching going on. All right, well, we see his conduct, see his coaching, and now number three, we have his compassion, his compassion we see here. Verse 12, once again, uh, for you know how, like a father and his children, we exhorted each one of you, and Paul writes, encouraged you. So Paul adds this, that the missionaries also encourage. We encourage you guys. Now, the Greek word there is different from exhort, exhorted. It is, uh, for encourage, is para muthaomai. Muthaomai. Again, para is in there. It's two Greek words put together, para. So you come alongside, but the second Greek word means with comfort, to soothe in that sense. This is what I would say the other side of the father. I mean, most of us guys were more logical with things. We're more black and white with things. And, and so here Paul is balancing that with a, the heart side, with the tender side, about showing compassion, about being understanding, about lifting up and being encouraging. You know, um, I don't know why I was thinking about this at this time, at this moment when I was thinking about compassion. But I started thinking about how um, recently a friend had suggested that we watch this certain Korean drama on Netflix. And, and I, I wasn't into Korean dramas or anything. And so we watched this one uh, a TV series. And, and um, you know what? There was times watching this drama that I actually teared up. Sometimes. Only sometimes. No. But, you know, it's like, whoa, oh, I see why, you know, people are, are into it. And, and I was thinking about that because, see, sometimes as fathers, we're, we're like the tough guy, right? We're the tough coach. We're like, suck it up, buddy. Get up, go. Yeah, and all that. But, and maybe it needs to be said. Maybe that needs to be done. But we cannot only say that. What Paul is saying is, look, we exhorted you, but we also encouraged you guys. And so God is telling us as fathers to do the same. To be the godly father who shows compassion through understanding and encouragement. So be the godly father who shows compassion through understanding and encouragement. Don't be always so logical and miss maybe what's going on in the heart. 
after the birth of a new baby, a mom, a little while after, left her room to take a walk to the nursery to see the baby. And she was surprised to find her husband staring through the glass at the nursery and the hospital at his newborn daughter. She was so touched, thinking how this new daddy's heart was melting. And so she came up to him and slipped her arm around his. And with a teary eye, she said, Oh, honey, what, what, what are you thinking? Well, the dad said, Well, I don't understand how they make cribs like that and fit so many in one room. Right? We can be like that. We're, we're so logical, oh, looking at other things and so black and white and rather than being emotional and heart. Well, we don't need to be always black and white all the time. We need to put some color in there. Put some color in there and have compassion. Psalm 103.13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Our God is compassionate. Our Heavenly Father is compassionate. And so, dads, we should be too. I like this poem. It's for for Father's Day, Dad's Day here. And um, I just wanted to read it to you. A dad is a mender of toys, a leader of boys. He's a changer of fuses, a healer of bruises. He's a mover of couches, a healer of ouches. He's a hanger of screens, a counselor of teens. He's a pounder of nails, a teller of tales. He's a dryer of dishes, a fulfiller of wishes. Bless him, Lord. Well, the devoted father, we see here Paul's talking about his godly conduct, his godly coaching, and his compassion. And now our last heading here is his commitment. His commitment. And so finally we come to the end here of verse 12. And I want to back up again. It says, For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, encouraged you. And then Paul writes this, And charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So Paul says, Like a father, we charged you. I charge you as your spiritual father. Now, the original language here literally is testify, is testify. In other words, uh, Paul is saying, you know, we're speaking from experience to charge you, to urge you, to, to walk in the way you should walk, to live in the way that, that we walked. Uh, in a way, he's, he's charging, he's exhorting you, he's, he's urging them, you should say, the NLT translated urge, to... He's sharing his experience with the Lord to call them to do the same. And that's the idea. He's testifying to what his life is about. He's testifying to, to how he, he, he lived for Jesus. He goes, you guys know. You guys, I urge you. I testify. I shared with you what I do, and I'm urging you to do the same. So with that one word charge, it really is saying all that. And Paul is totally committed to bring believers into this real life with Jesus. That, that's really the heart behind that. That they would live a life, and it says here in verse 12, worthy of God. What is he talking about there? Well, we know we are worthy to be with the Lord because of what Christ has done, right? He's atoned for our sins, and Christ's righteousness is upon us. We, we're not righteous in our own way. 
Not at all. But Christ's righteousness is upon us. So when, actually when he's saying that, uh, that you would walk in a manner, manner like the way you live, your conduct, that it would be worthy of God. Worthy, worthy to go to heaven in Christ. But what is he saying here? He's saying that your life would be lived in a way that is worthy of who you are in God. That your life would show that you are a follower of Jesus. That, that's really the idea. We, I talked about earlier, right, about uh, water baptism and how we're, we're, we have a new life now. This is our life in God. We're new creations. So who are we? We are children of God. I'm a child of God, we sang earlier, right? We, we are followers of him. We're God's people. We're, we're citizens of heaven. And so while we're on this earth, we should walk in a way that shows that we are that. And you know why that's important? Well, Paul says that uh, because God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He's saying that for God destined us to be part of his kingdom in glory. To live with God. That's our future destiny. So we should live on this earth for what we're going to be living in the future. So all of this is to say, like a father, Paul is charging him. He's committed. All his efforts was not about himself. It wasn't about, oh, building a church for himself or building a following. No. He was committed to the believers becoming everything that God had called them to be. That's what he's calling them to do. He's charging them to do, become all that. And so Paul's been committed to that. I think about what John wrote in um, 3 John verse 4. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So here's Paul being like a father to the Thessalonians. So that's for you and I, and this is our last point. Be a godly father with the commitment to raise and train your children to follow Jesus. That's what what our effort is. That's what we're committed to. That's what, what we're serving the Lord with primarily in our families. That we would bring our family, our children, to follow Jesus. You know, I remember... Um, when Jared was like, I think he was four or five years old, and he told me that, you know, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a professional basketball player, or I want to be a doctor. And I said, you know what, that is great. Yeah, go for those goals, because you know what, you can take care of Mom and I when we're old. <laughs> You'll make a lot of money that way. Nah, I'm just kidding. I was just kidding about that. But the, the thing is, is, see, we don't raise our children, right, to be successful in something so for us. No, it's, it's not about that. As parents, all our effort, right, is raising and guiding and teaching our children. I mean, it's not just that they'll be successful in life or good people in society. But what's the number one thing? That they'll be people who follow God. Our children are the next generation, aren't they? You know, for me, no, no matter where they end up in life, no matter what career, no matter what job, or no matter where they live, as long as they have Jesus, that's my concern. No matter what social level they're at or economic, um, you, you know, uh, uh, finances, all that, it doesn't matter. For, for me, 
What's most important is that they have a real relationship with Jesus and their life is dedicated to the Lord. That to me is quote unquote success. Amen? And so fathers, that's what we're committed to. Not living for ourselves. Not, oh, oh just focusing on yourself and your life. But, but God has placed you as a father. Like Paul saying, I, I'm, I'm like your parent, your spiritual parent. We planted a church and, and I'm like your spiritual father. So concerned and so committed that you would live in a manner that's worthy of who you are in Christ now. And that's Paul's heart. He, it's not about himself. He's not taking advantage of them. He's not abusing them and just uh, taking their goods and money and all that. No, he's vi- really genuinely concerned that they would grow in the Lord. And so that's our concern as fathers. In the end, of course, every child has to make their own decision for Christ. But dads, what are we doing to make that choice easy for them? Are we bringing them to that place, up to that place where they see God and Jesus for who he is, understanding the gospel? Dads, we are to be committed to bring our child to Jesus and, 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 and also what? train them up in the ways of the Lord. We know that. As a matter of fact, um, I, I was going to quote it, but you know what? Turn to it. Turn to the Old Testament, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22. Verse 6. Proverbs 22.6. This is a classic verse, and, and maybe we need, to be, we need to see it to be reminded. But it says here, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So that's a classic, it's a main, I would say, parenting verse that we find in the Bible. But notice it says, train up a child in the way. What way? The way of the Lord, right? I mean, I think about John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. He's the way. Or if, if, if you're a Jewish person uh, back then and, and they think about what well, the way what way should he go? Well, you know what? I would relate it to Deuteronomy chapter six and verse four says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Then it says in Deuteronomy six seven, you shall teach them digi- diligently to your children. That's the way, you guys. That's the way. So as we close up here, let's heed this call. Fathers, moms, grandparents, uh, any of us who, who, who work with children or, or have relatives or, or are with children, let's heed this call to, to train up those God brings us. Train them up in the Lord to maybe serve in cakey church, to come alongside with the parents who have been called to this. And you know what? Let's keep trying no matter the age. Yeah? No matter. I mean, our children are adults now, and, and we have a prodigal, and we're praying. And so we're continuing to uh, uh, keep doing this. I, I am. To not give up. 
you know what? Let's not get off track to what God is calling us. In this example we see with Paul as he was the spiritual father to the Thessalonians. Let's not get off track. Like, let me read to you what a father confessed one day. One dad wrote this. I took my children to school, but not to church. I taught them to drink, but not of the living water. I enrolled them in Little League, but not Sunday school. I showed them how to fish, but not to be a fisher of men. I made the Lord's Day a holiday instead of a holy day. That was really, really good. The most important thing we could do as fathers is bring our children to Jesus to fulfill our duty regarding our kids, to live our life before them, to, to you know what, represent the Heavenly Father so that they would understand who the Heavenly Father is, that we can, in a way we live, we can point to the Heavenly Father. How many times have I heard someone tell me that, you know, Ah, my father, he, he wasn't perfect at, at all. So I have a hard time relating to the Heavenly Father. Well, it made me think about, oh, is, can my kids relate to the Heavenly Father? You know, in the way I conducted myself? It's important that we represent God, fathers. There, I'll close with this. There's a little boy who was frightened by the thunder and lightning and the storm, and he called out in the dark night. He said, Daddy, come. Daddy, come here. I'm, I'm scared. Son, the father said, God loves you, and he'll, he's right there with you. And the boy said, I know God loves me, and I know God is always with me, but right now, I really want someone who has skin on. I like that. You know, <clears throat> whether or not our earthly fathers were perfect or not, you know, we're still going to appreciate them. We're still going to honor them. We still respect them. Um, they were the ones with skin on, yeah, and how they took care of us. And whether you as an earthly father is perfect or not, you know what? We still have a chance and opportunity to do all we can to be like our Heavenly Father and bring our kids closer to Jesus Christ. So let our lives, you and I, dads, let's, let our life be given over to God and be that, the devoted Father. Lord, uh, we honor you once again, Heavenly Father, for being our Father. And God, thank you for reminding us and speaking to us, convicting us. And God, forgive us, Lord, for the times that we failed, Lord. But thank you, there is always hope in you. And that in Jesus, therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. God, we want to deny ourselves, pick up the cross, and follow you. God, as dads and leaders, spiritual leaders of our home, God, we have a great responsibility. And in a way, for me, it's scary. But God, I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And I know it's you, Lord. And you are greater than, than my weaknesses and my faults, Lord. God, you can save my children. And Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning that may be struggling even from their past, Lord. Even maybe as a father or just as a person, Lord, just in our life. We, we've sinned, God. 
But thank you that you are here to forgive us, to, to cleanse us, to restore us. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to do that very thing right now. And God, as we look to you, we know that you are a God, that you are the Lord. And by your grace and your mercy, oh, the maker, the creator of the universe has chosen to love us, to send his son to die for us so that we can have a relationship with him. And I'm in all of that, Lord. And so, God, as you gave your all, as you loved us with all your love, God, we want to give our all to you right now. Father, I pray with this that you would receive us, restore us, renew us now. And Lord, I pray that you bless all the dads, God, on this Father's Day, that you would bless them and just lift them up, God. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.